Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll is put together by sports experts from around the country. While some voters see one or two games a week, our voters see games live on TV, and really understand college basketball. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 on the Rockin' pregame. All right, our college basketball rocketologists from the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll are here today. We're joined by the proprietor of Haslametrics.com, analytics guru Eric Haslam, also lead bracketologist and owner of Making the Madness, Jonathan Warner. And guys, which traditional NCAA tournament teams need to win their conference tournament to gain a bid this year? Well, I'm going to start with Michigan. This is going to probably be two misses in a row for the Wolverines. They're number 110 right now in my rankings, and they're 8-20 and on the season. They've only missed one NCAA tournament from 2011 until 2022. This is going to be another one coming up here. This has been a miserable year for Michigan. UCLA, they have missed two NCAA tournaments since 2013. They really had a disastrous 6-10 and start to start the season. It's been too much to overcome. They started to get their act together a little bit in February. They've won six in a row during February, but they're still sitting at 14-13, and 13, number 90 in my rankings. They are not going to get in at large. Arkansas has been another miserable season. They've missed one NCAA tournament since 2017. They're number 123 in my rankings, 14-14 and 14 overall. They have to win their conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. And then a couple other ones that might be a little bit questionable. Iowa is another one of four straight NCAA tournaments for the Hawkeyes. They're not 100% dead, but I really think they need some Quadrant 2 wins to transfer over to Quadrant 1 wins somehow. Another problem is they're 17-12, and 12, so that record is probably not doing them any favors. And then maybe an outside chance of a team that might need to win their conference tournament to get in would be Gonzaga. That's a team that is you know well-known 24 straight NCAA tournaments. I think the fact that they got that win over Kentucky really helps them. If they did not have that non-conference win over the, over Kentucky, I think they'd be sweating a little bit more. But it may be dependent a little bit on that St. Mary's game on Saturday. If you if you don't have that Kentucky win early in the season, I don't know what Gonzaga's best win is. San Francisco, Yale, Syracuse, there's not a lot of meat on that bone there. That being said, I still think Gonzaga has enough to get in. Yeah, one team for me is uh, Memphis. They've really struggled as of late, but uh, you look at what Penny Hardaway has kind of done once he's gotten Memphis rolling. He's been consistently in the NCAA tournament. Not the case this year, and they are on the wrong side of the bubble. Ohio State, midseason coaching change. They're a team that traditionally is right there for the NCAA tournament. They missed it last year, which was kind of a Weird year for them to be on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. And then this year, barring some kind of late miracle run, they're probably going to need to win their conference tournament. USC is struggling this year. Come into the season, they were a top 25 team in the preseason. Just simply have not lived up to expectations. Indiana's way on the outside looking in. That's a program that... It's won five national championships and doesn't look like it will be the six because they will be missing the NCAA tournament as well. 
Well, the Rockin' 25 top four remain the same with Houston number one, UConn second, Purdue third, and Tennessee fourth, while North Carolina jumped up two spots to number five. Jonathan, are these the likely four number one seeds according to your bracketology? My fourth number one seed is actually Arizona. Just they did a lot of work in the non league portion of the schedule, even though they have struggled in what is a down Pac 12, you know, falling behind Tennessee and North Carolina in the rankings. They still had enough work in the non conference portion to be ahead. But the one thing is North Carolina, Tennessee, they have opportunities to grab quality wins. North Carolina will obviously play at Duke. Tennessee has a couple big games upcoming. So those two teams, right now they're behind Arizona in the bracket. But come two weeks from now, if both teams went out, they will probably pass Arizona just because Arizona can't get any quality wins in the Pac-12. Six through ten of the Rockin' Twenty Five. Arizona drops one to six. Iowa State down one to seven. Untrustworthy. Marquette is eight. <laughs> Blue Blood Duke nine. Auburn jumping up four to ten. Eric, you've been begging for this question all week long. What changes do you want in the NCAA tournament, and which change do you want college basketball to just leave alone? Well, if you want to start with things to leave alone, let's leave expansion alone. This is something that, you know, I'm part of that group of people that I'm going to dig my heels in. I do not want to see any kind of expansion. I know it's probably just a matter of time before it happens, but still, I am one of those that looks at this situation about the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament is great. Why are you going to try to screw something up that is working out so well? And that's one of the things people are going to probably do what they want to do for the almighty dollar. And that's the way the world is. I get it, but I'm still digging my heels in. And there's other people with me saying, I want to keep things with the 68. If I had my choice, I'd go back to the 64. But the 68 works fine. As far as changes to make, if I had to make one change, this would probably be one of the very few times you're ever going to hear me and myself and John Rothstein be on the same page. But what I would do is when it comes to the play-in games, you have four play-in games right now, I would make all four play-in games for the at-large teams. I want the auto qualifiers, the teams who win their conference tournaments, to immediately advance to the round of 64. You know, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that all the 16 seeds get into the round of 64. The higher seeds will all benefit by potentially playing weaker opposition. They have earned that right by performing at such a high level throughout the four-month regular season. So I want to give that, you know, a little bit of a boost to the ones, the twos, the threes, and the four. On top of that, it's more interesting television on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's, you know, I know there's a money situation for having a 16 versus a 16 game. These schools like this having this stand alone because it earns them a little bit of money. And some of these 16s are going to get double the paycheck because they beat another 16 and then they become, a, you know, a lamb led to slaughter against a one usually. But that being said, as a fan, and I am not mincing words here, I would rather watch Murder, She Wrote than to watch a 16 versus a 16 on Tuesday or Wednesday. I have no desire to, to watch a 16 or 16. Why not make it more exciting for the fan and give you a couple mid high mid-majors or some questionable power conference teams go at it on Tuesday and Wednesday? That makes for really compelling television. If we were going to do a small change, maybe we add four more teams. You have the 16s versus 16s maybe playing each other. You have a mid-major sickos type of game not a game i want to watch uh, and then you can have at the same time going on and uh, not true tv maybe tnt or tbs you have your gonzaga versus wake forest your current last four in teams 
and maybe you have the tournament being at 72 teams as opposed to 68, make sure that we have a compelling first night because I agree. Murr, she wrote way better than uh, 16 versus 16. Yeah, and we see it every year. And I, I even look at just the cut line. Every year the same argument happens in the, at the end of February and the start of March. Like, look at these teams. These teams aren't very good. They don't want to be in the field. I'm like, what are we talking about sometimes? I'm like, we're really arguing over Butler and and Iowa and Syracuse and New Mexico and Pitt and Kansas State. You know, come on. Do we really want to put these guys in the mix to crown a national champion? Right. Exclusive to the Arakan pregame. It is the Arakan 25 College Basketball Poll. Arakatologist Jonathan Warner and Eric Haslam with us today in the Arakan pregame. So this week has had a little bit of everything, guys. you got some court-storming debates you got flagrant twos, and the SEC and Big Ten threatening to leave the NCAA, taking their ball and going home. But, Jonathan, what is the biggest story in college basketball to you? Well, I think it has to be court-storming debate going on at the moment. Obviously, you had this weekend Wake Forest storming the court before Kyle Filipowski was able to get off. Huge upcry. He had a major knee ankle injury but was able to play against Duke. Just a heroic effort by Kyle Filipowski to uh, show up on three days uh, after getting an ankle-slash-knee injury. I don't know which one it is. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's neither. But he showed up and gave it his all against Louisville, a team that he could have sat out and they still would have obviously dominated because Louisville is terrible. Besides the point, the court-storing debate, in my opinion, you just need a controlled court storm. Obviously, I think Wake Forest did a poor job of making sure the Duke players were protected. I think they deserve some sort of fine from the ACC for doing that. They have to know if, hey, we're playing Duke, we're playing Kentucky, we're playing Kansas, we're playing whoever, they might storm the court. Let's make sure we have extra security. That's all you really need. You know, against UConn Creighton just the other day, Creighton had a big court storming, and there was a giant rope protecting the handshake line. Everyone got off fine, and the court was stormed very safely. You do that, it's not really an issue. I'm not with Jay Billis that you need to start arresting the stormers. <laughs> hey, that's Jay Billis's opinion, and mine is just control the court storm. Uh, make sure the players are able to get off okay. It reminds me of the movie Hoosiers. I was watching the the, the uh, deleted scenes from Hoosiers, the ones you very rarely see, where the guy that they ran on the court at the end, and all the all the 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 fans got arrested afterwards for running on the court. Obviously, I'm being facetious on this one, but it's it's kind of get, makes the point of like you can't possibly just. I mean, the Billis point of uh, detain and arrest 1,100 kids is absolutely stupid. You might as well ask stupid. me to, to try to herd 25 young kittens in one room. It's <laughs> just not going to happen. And then there's the asinine argument I hear on, on social media about, uh, well, it doesn't happen in the NBA. Well, obviously not, because the people who can afford the lower deck seats in the NBA are uh, all socialites, doctors, and lawyers, and celebrities. You know, so it's... It, it's, it's not even apples to oranges. It's apples to lawnmowers in, uh, when you're comparing <laughs> college basketball to the NBA. So I do want to touch real quick on the other issue, the flagrant twos. I think this is an easy solution. We already see it to a certain degree in college football with targeting. If there's a guy who does it in the second half, he's out for the first half of the next game. Do the same thing for college basketball. Make it across the board. It makes it seems like a simple solution to me. The flagrant two, if, if, if it happens in the last... You know, a few minutes of the game, as it did with Cunningham, 
you know, I look at, I think that was an appropriate flagrant too. You can read his body language yeah. after the play occurred. He knows what he was doing. I would just kind of keep it consistent between college football, college basketball, suspend him for the first half of the next game. Done. Yeah. I take it a step further. I, I'd suspend flagrant two, uh dirty play. How about we suspend him for the next game? You know, you want to play hockey and uh, on a basketball court, the basketball players are not wearing hockey pads. So I think Brock Cunningham deserves at least a one game suspension for the dirtiness of the hit. Hey, Eric, which team's momentum has hit a brick wall and needs a jump start? Well, I think there's three teams that kind of come to mind for me as far as they're heading in the wrong direction. I think the big one for me is Texas A&M. That was a team that was once comfortably in the field. Now all of a sudden they've lost five in a row. Most recently they lose a, a heartbreaker to South Carolina on Wednesday night. And all of a sudden, before you know it, Texas A&M is now 15 and 13. I don't think the at-large hopes are completely dead for them, but they're certainly on life support at this point. Another one who has cooled off significantly is Utah. Uh, that was a team that was 14-5 and five earlier this season after beating Oregon on January 21st. They lost six of their next eight after that, and they are, they are now sweating about the possibility of being excluded from the big dance. Last but not least, I'm going to throw out there is Butler, another team that had really turned things around this season after three straight losing seasons. Um, they were somewhat comfortably in the NCAA tournament picture a couple months ago. They were 15-7. and seven. After winning at Creighton, they were 16 and 8 after beating Providence. And how did they follow that up? Five straight losses. They fall to 16 and 13. That is another team that appears to be on the outside looking in at the present moment. I went with uh, three teams that are currently projected in the field right now. Start with Texas Tech. I mean, this uh, team has obviously struggled as of late. A lot of injuries uh, going on there. Chance McMillan uh, playing, you know, with through some injuries. Uh, Warren Washington has been out. Uh, obviously, he is you know a monster inside, and uh, really for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of depth to begin with, being shorthanded, uh, losing Warren Washington for any amount of games uh, certainly is a big hit for Texas Tech. I think Kansas uh, is another team that has struggled recently. Obviously, McCuller's been in and out of the lineup but they lose uh, to BYU at home. Usually they don't lose there. Their team going in the wrong direction. Uh, we'll see if maybe McCuller returns for them, but as it looks, it looks like a first week in exit for them is in the near future. And then Florida Atlantic, this is a team that with Memphis struggling should have run away with the AAC title and instead has kind of struggled. Uh, they're just kind of, they're probably going to find themselves in the NCAA tournament in the end just because they did a lot of work in the non-league play. But this is a team that went to a Final Four last year, and this year just doesn't look like the same team is limping their way into the NCAA tournament field. Jonathan, as you start to set up your brackets, which teams are peaking too early in your mind? I'll start with Houston. Uh, they, I know they have... Uh, Worked hard to get to the top of the Big 12 standings, and obviously they're playing really well right now. But come NCAA tournament time, it's a little bit different type of game. This is a team going through with the gauntlet of the Big 12. Obviously, they've done really well, but come NCAA tournament time, are they going to have the same type of energy Will they be able to defend the same come the NCAA tournament where it's a you lose and you're out? Whereas the Big 12, you can lose a game here or there uh, and still be fine for the league race. So I think Houston's a team, they're playing really well right now, but which to March, are they going to be able to 
play the same level of basketball when it's a one-and-done format. And might I throw in our favorite team, the Marquette Golden Eagles. The reason I say Marquette, because that's a team that I've always had questions about how they can do, how they can perform in the month of March. And rebounding has always been a concern for me. And if you're talking about a team that's peaking too soon, well, they were 11-5. and five. They're now 22-6. and six. 11 of their last 12. The only loss they had was the uh, game abortion, where they lost by 28 at UConn. But that being said, they really are playing some of their best basketball of the season right now. The question is, can they keep that going? They're a little bit snake-bitten in the tournament, and it's fresh in everybody's mind what happened to them last year when they lost in the second round to Michigan State. Could a repeat upset, kind of same kind of upset, you know, again occur to Marquette? It is the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologist Eric Haslam and Jonathan Warner. So uh, which Big 12 game and non-Big 12 game you think is the one to watch out for in the next week? Well, on the Big 12 side of things, I'm going to pick BYU at Iowa State. That's going to be next Wednesday. That is a rematch of a game from the middle of January. That's a game where BYU actually defeated Iowa State by 15. That was actually only the, the only double-digit loss of the year for the Cyclones, so it's a, it was a very impressive win for BYU. But you can't really go wrong in that game. That's BYU, the number 12 offense for me, against the number 2 defense for Iowa State, so that should be a good one, a little opportunity for, for Iowa State to deliver a little bit of payback. And then as far as the non-Big 12 schedule goes, I'm going to say a pretty obvious one, Alabama in Tennessee on Saturday. Uh, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about here, the over-under on this game is, I have it right now, at 167. And keep in mind that Tennessee is the number three defense in the country, and I got an over-under of 167. Alabama, with 95-plus points in five straight games and seven of their last nine, I love up-tempo basketball. This should be no disappointment for anyone who's going to watch this one. Uh, Tennessee is certainly playing really well. Could be a game where Dalton Connect goes for at least 40. Houston at Oklahoma, uh, I think if Houston wins this game, they pretty much wrap up the Big 12. And then you have Oklahoma, who's kind of, they're one of these teams that you know, was in the top 25, and they haven't completely fallen off uh, to going towards the bubble, but they've just been kind of week by week slowly sip, slipping down the seed list. Uh, and for Oklahoma, if they could get this win, uh, they could stop that tumble and stamp their uh, foot as a clear NCAA tournament team. You beat uh, the number one team in the uh, land. Uh, you are going to make the NCAA tournament in Houston, obviously. With this win, I think it won't be official, but it will be kind of official because this is the toughest test they have left. Uh, as for my non-Big 12 game of the uh, week, I have Gonzaga at St. Mary's. Uh, obviously, we touched on it earlier Gonzaga might be needing to uh, win this game or win the WCC tournament to get that at-large bid. Right now, that Kentucky win is looking pretty nice, but that's pretty much the only uh, nice win. So if they could go on the road to St. Mary's, get that win, uh, all of a sudden Gonzaga would be uh, looking in pretty good shape to get uh, an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament. But, hey, if they fall at St. Mary's, very possible thing to do. They might be going to the WCC tournament feeling like they need to uh, win the WCC or they will be heading to the NIT. Where can people find your work? At makingthemadness.com, at Bracketology, just three on Twitter, coming out with a daily Bracketology every day 
uh, until the rest of the season. Uh, obviously, the fraud power rankings will be up uh, Monday as well. For the usual, everybody can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my bracketology, and my projections over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, if you guys are looking for me on Twitter or X, I am out there going hashtag analytically final at at Haslametrics. Well, our thanks to Rocket 25 voters Eric Haslam and Jonathan Warner for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The entire Rockin 25 college basketball poll always available on rock101lubbock.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Great stuff there from our Rocketologist friends. When we uh, return here on the Rockin' pregame, Red Raider basketball got a big game coming up against West Virginia on the road tomorrow. Uh, so we'll talk some Red Raider basketball next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' pregame on Rock 101.1.